I hope to answer their questions and find out who killed my child. That's why we are here. Patsy Ramsey. Fallon Vice contains graphic and or explicit content, which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to Violent Vice. My name is Audie Griffith. And I'm John John. Hello. Hello. If you guys can do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, leave us a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. And welcome to episode 59. We are covering a big one here today. A big one? A huge one. A big uh, one. Recently in the news, and this was very, very popular when John John was about four and I was about two years old. We are covering the death and murder of John Benet Ramsey. Ramsey, that does sound familiar. Who is this guy? Uh, it's a girl. Um, she is a six-year-old beauty pageant queen. If you see like big curly blonde hair and big blue eyes on a six-year-old, this is her. Was this part of that Stranger Danger stuff that started going on? Yeah, I, th- I think it was part of it. There is also a lot with beauty pageants kind of tied into it because she was a big part of that circle. It was very much in our early young childhood. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to kind of dive into it. There is a lot on this case, but I just want to, you know, first off start by saying there are a whole podcast, whole documentaries a lot of series on this specific case. It's one of America's most famous unsolved murders, and we're going to do our best to give it a good overview, and we're going to cover all theories, even ones that have been kind of debunked, just so like people can kind of get updated on their information and everything, because a lot has happened actually in the last 20 years or so. Heck of a lot has happened in just general, so... Yeah, I can imagine a 20-year-old case that has finally been solved? No, it's still unsolved. Oh, my God. Tw- 25 years. But there was a big update in June, but we'll get that. We'll get to that at the end here. So that's kind of why I'm covering it is because there was an update in the news recently. So, anywho. Okay, let's jump into this thing. Yeah, we'll get right into it. So, John Benet Ramsey was born on August 6, 1990, in Atlanta, Georgia, the younger of two children uh, by Patricia Patsy Ramsey and John Benet Ramsey. She had an older brother named Burke, who was born in 1987, and John Benet's first name combines her father's first and middle names, and her mother's first name was used as her middle name. She was enrolled in kindergarten at High Peaks Elementary School in Boulder, Colorado. John Ramsey, the father, was a businessman who was the president of Axis Graphics, a computer software company that later became a subsidiary of Lockheed Martin. His first marriage ended in divorce in 1978. John's two surviving adult children, a son and daughter, live elsewhere. In 1991, John had moved in with Patsy, his second wife, to Boulder, where Axis Graphics headquarters was located. 
Patsy Ramsey had entered John Bonet in various child beauty pageants in Boulder, where she won titles of America's Royal Miss, Little Miss Charlevoix, Little Miss Colorado, Colorado State All Star Kids Cover Girl, and National Teeny Miss Beauty. John Bonet's active role in child beauty pageants and Patsy's reported pageant mother behavior were re- reported by the media after her murder. In the summer of 1997, approximately six months after John Bonet's death, the Ramseys then moved to Atlanta after a summer and stayed in their vacation retreat in Charlevoix, Michigan. Patsy, the mother, did die of ovarian cancer at age 49 in 2006, and she was buried next to her daughter. But we're going to get kind of shift and talk about John Bonet, not Patsy. So, wait, wait, wait. So, the mom, her mom died first, or no, she died? the mom oh, died in 2006. I'm just covering the death of the mom because oh, she is okay. no longer in the picture. Ooh, all right, but yeah, the mom died of ovarian cancer in 2006. So, in the early morning hours of December 26, 1996, John and Patsy Ramsey awoke to find their six-year-old daughter, John Bonet Ramsey, missing from her bed in their home in Boulder, Colorado. Patsy and John had woken up early to prepare for a trip when Patsy discovered a ransom note on the stairs demanding $118,000 for their daughter's safe return. Despite the note's warning not to involve the police, Patsy immediately called them, as well as friends and family, in order to aid in the search for John Bonet. Police arrived at the house at approximately 5.55 a.m., but found no signs of forced entry. They did not, however, search the basement where her body would eventually be found. Before John Bonet's body was even found, there were many investigative mistakes made. Only John Bonet's room was cordoned off, not the entire house, so friends and family roamed the rest of the house during their initial search, picking up things and potentially destroying evidence. The Boulder Police Department also shared evidence they found with the Ramseys and delayed conducting their informal interviews with the parents. At 1 p.m., the detectives instructed Mr. Ramsey and family to go around the house to see if anything was amiss. The first place they looked was the basement, where they found John Bonet's body. John Ramsey immediately picked up his daughter's body and brought her upstairs, which unfortunately destroyed potential evidence by disturbing the crime scene. During the autopsy, it was discovered that John Bonet had died from asphyxiation due to strangulation in addition to a skull fracture. Her mouth had been covered in duct tape and her wrists and neck were wrapped with a white cord. Her torso had also been covered in a white blanket. There was no conclusive evidence of rape, no semen was found on the body, and her uh, private parts had appeared to be wiped clean, although sexual assault had occurred. So, they don't think she was raped necessarily, but definitely disturbed down there. So, they think maybe that the death happened We'll, we'll kind of get into it. Just that there was some disturbing evidence, some, just not yeah. necessarily a rape. But, like, essentially from the beginning, a lot of potential evidence was lost. Oh, yeah. Right from the get-go. That's a little discouraging. Yep. 
So the makeshift garret that was around her neck was made using a length of cord and part of a paintbrush from the basement, so stuff from the actual house. The coroner also found what was believed to be pineapple in John Bonet's stomach. Her parents don't remember giving her any that night before she died, but there was a bowl of pineapple in the kitchen which her nine-year-old brother Burke's fingerprints were on. However, this meant little since the time cannot be attributed to the fingerprints. The Ramseys maintained Burke was in his room all night asleep, and there was never any physical evidence to reflect otherwise. There are two popular theories in the Ramsey case, the family theory and the intruder theory. The initial investigation focused heavily on the Ramsey family for many reasons. The police felt that the ransom note was staged, and it was unusually long, written using a pen and paper from the Ramsey's own house and it demanded almost the exact amount of money that John had received as a bonus earlier that year. Additionally, the Ramseys were reluctant to cooperate with the police, though they later said this was because they feared the police would not conduct a full investigation and target them as easy suspects. However, all three members of the immediate family were questioned by investigators and submitted handwriting samples to compare with the ransom letter. Both John and Burke were cleared of any suspicion of writing the note, Although much was made that Patsy could not be conclusively cleared by her handwriting sample, this analysis was not further supported by any other evidence. So her handwriting was similar, and they said, like, it could, but it also couldn't. Um, like, it's, it doesn't match, but it's not out of, like, possibility. Yeah, like, she could, like, fake her handwriting. Like, deliberately have wrote it different than how her handwriting was, but it's still kind of resembles her handwriting. Yeah. Mm. So that's why it was not, she was not conclusively uh, left out for that handwriting sample. Despite a larger pool of suspects, the media immediately focused on John Bonet's parents, and they spent years under harsh limelight of the public eye. In 1999, a Colorado grand jury voted to indict the Ramseys on child endangerment and obstruction of murder investigation. However, the prosecutor felt that the evidence did not meet the beyond a reasonable doubt standard and declined to prosecute. So, John Bonet's parents were never officially named as suspects in the murder. Alternatively, the intruder theory had lots of physical evidence to support it. There was a boot print found next to John Bonet's body, which did not belong to anyone in the family. There was also a broken window in the basement, which was believed to be the most likely point of entry for an intruder. Additionally, there was DNA from drops of blood from an unknown male found on her underwear. The floors in the Ramsey's home were heavily carpeted, making it plausible for an intruder to have carried John Bonet downstairs without waking the family. Hey, do you love gold jewelry? that has meaning do you want to emphasize your beauty and uniqueness check out libertabrilliere.com that's l-i-b-e-r-t-a-b-r-i-l-l-a-r-e.com they have a great selection of 18 karat gold plated jewelry at an affordable price i personally got the yasami a snake and isa and i absolutely love them go to LibertaBrilliere.com and use code B-I-C-E all caps for 50% off. That's right. 50% off. All caps on the vice. And stay sparkly, darling. Now, this next theory is highly uh, controversial. It's the brother theory. And I do have to say like her brother? Yeah, the nine-year-old brother. 
Okay. I wouldn't say out of impossibility, but... There's there's a lot to it, and we'll kind of get into it. And I do have to state that there was a defamation lawsuit filed against DPS for this theory in 2016 on the documentary that they released. However, we're going to cover a bit of what that documentary said as well as what the Daily Mail covered and um, what was covered on the Dr. Phil episode with this. So uh, Dr. Phil had like a three-hour-long part episode interviewing Mm. the brother. Yeah. Wow. So kind of first covering the lawsuit. So two years after John JonBenet Ramsey's brother, uh, Burke, filed a... $750 $750 million defamation lawsuit against CBS over the network's docu-series, The Case of John Benet Ramsey. The two sides have reached uh, amicable res- resolution of their differences, so basically CBS paid out. The docu-series pushed the theory that Burke killed his younger sister in the infamous unsolved murder of the six-year-old. So, basically, the docu-series kind of said, like, hey, with all this stuff... Um, the parents covered up for the brother because the brother had some mental issues growing up. And we're going to kind of cover what they covered, but just know that they're no longer suspects. And we'll kind of get into why they were discredited as suspects and everything. I mean, we did already with the grand jury. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is a very popular theory, so I think it's worth mentioning why it is a popular theory. Yeah. Because, I mean... As much as I'd like to say that, well, if the court said it wasn't true, then it wasn't true, that doesn't exactly mean it didn't actually happen. No. It just couldn't be proven. Yeah, but also, like, covering our own, like, I mean, we stated, like, hey, it is defamation, but we're just going to present the evidence that the Daily Mail and CBS presented um, with acknowledgement that, hey, like, it was discredited, but this is what they did present. So, just so people kind of know. So, just kind of going on, pretty much everything from here on out on this theory is from the Daily Mail. So, um, and Daily Mail takes parts of the docu-series in their mm-hmm. article. So, just want to give credit to where that is. The Daily Mail is... UK. What? UK. Yeah. So, not even America. Not even America. There's a lot with this theory in Australia and the UK um, that covered it. The US did cover it, but again, with the defamation lawsuit, it was kind of squashed a little bit. Um, It did just go like kind of worldwide. So, again, um, in the courts and whatnot, they're innocent, but this is just what they presented. So, FBI Special Agent Jim Clement said Burke, who is now 29 at the time, had a history of scatological problems. And yes, scatological. He made claims in a CBS documentary called The Case of John Benet Ramsey that aired in Australia and the U.S. Ex-housekeeper Linda Hoffman Pugh also remembered a time when she uncovered fecal material the size of grapefruit on John Benet's sheets. After they sealed off John Bonet's room, the crime scene technicians went through it and apparently found feces smeared on boxes of candy she had gotten for Christmas. The former housekeeper had said, according to news.com.au. Forensic pathologist Dr. Werner Spitz, also featured in the documentary, 
which was first shown in the U.S. and Sunday night and claimed Burke showed signs of having mental issues. The documentary claims John Bonet was killed by Burke and it was covered up by the parents after a fight over a midnight snack of pineapples. But a team of experts re-examined the evidence in the 20-year-old case in the two-part CBS docuseries, The Case of John Bonet Ramsey, which concluded last night at the time of the article that this was published. The team presented their conclusions in a final minutes of the program, saying that the evidence points to Burke Ramsey, who was nine at the time of the murder. However, they do not believe it was a case of murder and said it could have very well been accidental. They also revealed that that Burke had struck his little sister with a golf club after losing his temper and left her with a scar on her face a year before her death, so he was prone to violence prior to this event. James Kohler, the former chief of investigation for the district attorney of Boulder, presented the theory that all other experts agreed with. He posited that Patsy had left Burke with a bowl of pineapple and some tea when John Bonet had attempted to sneak some of the fruit later. It prompted Burke to lash out and strike her with a flashlight, killing her. My hypothesis was that I think the Ramseys came home around 9.30, 10 o'clock, Kohler said. I think John Bonet was asleep. I think John did carry her upstairs. Patsy remained downstairs with Burke and served him tea and the pineapple. I think that the that accounts for the physical evidence as well as the latent print. Then she got John Bonet up to make sure she used the toilet so she didn't wet the bed that night. John Bonet was up. She may or may not have brushed her teeth. That stuff was kind of on the counter. Then I think she was up and awake enough that she, maybe she was still hungry and went downstairs for a snack. However, the investigators said they don't believe Burke was involved in the cover-up, but they say the mixed motives in the ransom letter indicate that both parents were. They also concluded that the DNA evidence found on John Bonet's panties, which did not match anyone in the family, had no forensic value and that no sexual assault ever took place. The DNA evidence had been used to rule out the Ramseys as involved in the case, but experts showed how the DNA could have been transferred during the manufacturing and packaging processes of her underwear. In the first part of the documentary, the investigators revealed six extra seconds of audio from a 911 call that appeared to suggest her family were involved. So I do have to kind of just go into a uh, proof of saying that um, Patsy's 911 call is highly controversial. There were extra seconds where she had thought she had hung up, but the 911 operator was still on. And mm-hmm. you can kind of hear some s- sort of garbled audio in the background. And so, like, this is what's going into that. Mm. So, like, they're thinking that maybe, like, she is just, like, relieved that she got away with saying something or something? No, no, she thinks that the parents covered it up. We'll get into that. Oh. Yep. So hold your questions for a few minutes. <laughs> um, using modern technology, they uncovered the voices of three people having a conversation after Mrs. Ramsey thought she had hung up during a call to the police 20 years ago. Three phrases can allegedly be heard during the extra six seconds of the 911 audio, which are believed to have come from John Bonet's parents, John and Patsy, and her older brother, Burke. Investigators believe they can hear Mrs. Or Mr. Ramsey's voice saying, we're not speaking to you, before Mrs. Ramsey allegedly asks, what did you do? Help me, Jesus. They claim John Bonet's brother, Burke, can be heard asking, what did you find, even though her parents have always claimed he was asleep at the time. 
The 911 operator who took the call, Kim Archuleta, has also spoken for the first time and revealed that she felt the call sounded very rehearsed. It sounded like she said, okay, we've called the police, now what? And that disturbed me, Mrs. Archuleta said. So I remained on the phone trying to listen to what was being said. It sounded like there were two voices in that room, maybe three different ones. I had a bad feeling about this. To me, it sounded very rehearsed, Mrs. Archuleta said. Investigator Liz later visited her home to inform her that there was a gag order regarding this case until it went to court, which it never happened. She alleges she was never asked to testify on the grand jury in the 1999 case. One of the reasons why I even stayed on until they disconnected was because there were things being said that people needed to know, she said. It was never addressed. I think it really would have turned the case around. The lengthy ransom note that was found inside the family's home was also re-examined by forensic linguist James Fitzgerald, who claimed that it was clearly staged and had deliberate spelling mistakes. The three-page ransom note claimed to have been written by a group of individuals that represented a small foreign faction. It asked for $118,000 for the safe return of John Bonet, which is almost the exact value amount of the bonus her father, John Ramsey, had received earlier that year. However, not many people knew that her father had even received the bonus. The note read, in part, Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe, unharmed, and if you want to see her, or if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. Fitzgerald said the first two words in the note, listen carefully, struck out as an unusual, as very unusual during an investigation for a ransom note. Right away, I said, this doesn't even make sense. Grammatically, it's correct. The words were spelled right, but it's an unusual way to begin an alleged ransom communication, he said. Ramsey also pointed out that after claiming they were foreign faction, they misspelled the words business and possession. I believe both words were misspelled on purpose because they both had to do with the double consonant of s he told yahoo tv if you're going to misspell one word you probably are going to almost by accident get the other word right he said that by that point he knew that someone was pretending to be someone that they were not noting within the first three sentences he was convinced it was not an authentic kidnapper that this was someone doing his or her best to make themselves appear as one of those entities but it was clear that this was not the case he said at the time the note was discovered john Bonet's mother patsy told the police she found it on the stairway which led to the discovery that john bonnet was missing from her bed despite the letter explicitly saying not to notify authorities and despite the couple withdrawing their ransom money patsy still called 911 and frantically reported her daughter had been kidnapped not listening to the note so not following the instructions as the morning passed they expected a phone call from the kidnappers that never arrived and a few hours later the child's body was located still in the house on the floor of the wine cellar it was later determined that the letter had been written on a paper ripped from a notebook that Patsy kept in her kitchen. So, the the ransom note and the case w- looked mm-hmm. to be very forged. Like, a lot of the situation seemed to be rehearsed or practiced or something? Very much so. Okay, so, the note supposedly was a fake, the phone call was a staging, and... Yep. Just like the general vibe of the situation was that this is not how a family acts when something like this happens. 
pretty much. And if you remember, like, her handwriting sample was not conclusively left out. Um, yeah. And the 911 operator said that the grand jury conviction, like, where, you know, they got said that it was not enough evidence to convict. Mm-hmm. She was not even asked to be there, so there was evidence missing from that. Mm. Okay. Alright. So, there's just a lot of just, like, things don't add up here, what's going on. Yep, so Fitzgerald told Yahoo TV and the investigators later that he learned the Ramses financially could have paid even up to a million dollars, but noted that the 118 was not a coincidence. He believed it was a red herring by the off by the author to make it look like it was an inside job referencing the fact that the amount was the same of John Ramsey's bonus. When concluding what the ransom note meant in terms of understanding who might have been involved in the murder, Fitzgerald noted that the length of the letter suggested it was not a real criminal or a real kidnapper. He said while other ransom notes over the years have been about 50 to 60 words long or short, the Ramsey note had been about 385 words. It's clear that all of it could have been written in about three sentences, Fitzgerald told Yahoo TV. This thing instead read like Stephen King's novelette, with people being beheaded and all kinds of nasty things happening to people. He continued, The person who was writing this was truly out of his or her element in terms of trying to be a real criminal or real kidnapper. This documentary aired days after Burke Ramsey gave his first ever interview to Dr. Phil and recalled the night his frantic mother came to his room after discovering John Bonet was not in her bed. The first thing I remember is my mom bursting into my room, really frantic, saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, running around my room. Now I know looking for John, Bur- John Bonet, Burke recalled. The next thing I remember is police officer coming into my room and shining a flashlight. He added, I know people think I did it, that my parents did it. I know that we were suspects. So kind of what came from this documentary, um, Burke was kind of very uncomfortable throughout the entire thing. He had really weird smiles and stares. So a lot of people took that as kind of more guilt from him too, from Dr. Phil. And Dr. Phil was very light on his questioning where normally he goes a bit harder. Mm-hmm. So... The family as a whole were officially no longer considered suspects in 2008, according to the Boulder Police Department. So, again, this was theory had been discredited or disproved by the Boulder Police. But a lot of people still consider this theory, like, true, which is why a lot of people still think the brother did it. But the Boulder Police do not. They kind of exonerated the family. So. Okay. So, was that... So the police consider them innocent. Public opinion is different, especially after the Dr. Phil episode. Yeah, public opinion varies differently after the CBS documentaries and the Dr. Phil episode. So that's why he got, you know, awarded $750 million for the defamation lawsuit is because this heavily swayed public opinion. Just the way that they presented it. Okay. I think I follow now. Yeah, this is a lot to track. It is a lot to track, but, like, I mean, I mean, he, he's not wrong by the way that they did present it. He did seem very mm-hmm. guilty, even if he's not. Like, it's just... Yeah, it's just, like, I don't know. But we're kind of going to move on to one of the more famous suspects here and get to the other theory. 
So one of the most famous suspects was John Carr. He was arrested in 2006 when he confessed to killing John Bonet by accident after he had drugged and sexually assaulted her. Carr was eventually dismissed as a suspect after it was revealed that no drugs had been found in John Bonet's system. Police could not confirm he was in Boulder at the time, and his DNA did not match the profile generated from the samples found. Much of the recent investigation in the case revolves around the DNA profiles developed from the sample found on her, her underwear and the touch DNA later developed from her long johns. The profile from the, her underwear was entered into CODIS, the National DNA Database, in 2003, but no matches have yet been identified. So John Carr was kind of like a famous uh, criminal and when he confessed, it blew, like, everything up because they're like, oh, yeah, of course he could have done it. But his alibi could mm-hmm. not be confirmed, and she wasn't raped or whatnot, and it just didn't match, you know, the DNA that was there. Yeah, it didn't match up. It was kind of like adding another tick, I guess, to his list, if that makes sense. He just wanted to be more famous. Mm-hmm. Just, like, confessing to something he didn't do so he would get... Some recognition. Basically. So, in 2006, Boulder District Attorney Mary Lacey took over the case. She agreed with the federal prosecutor that the intruder theory was more plausible than the Ramsey killing their own daughter. Under Lacey's lead, investigators developed a DNA profile from touch DNA left behind on skin cells on her long johns. In 2008, Lacey released a statement detailing the DNA evidence and fully exonerating the Ramsey family, saying in part, The Boulder District Attorney's Office does not consider any member of the Ramsey family, including John Patsy or Burke Ramsey, as suspects in this case. We make this announcement now because we have recently obtained this new scientific evidence that adds significantly to the exculpatory value of the previous scientific evidence. We do so with the full appreciation of the other evidence in this case. So basically, with that touch DNA, it exonerated all of them. Local, national, and even international publicity has focused on the murder of JonBenet Ramsey. Many members of the public came to believe one or more of the Ramseys, including her mother, father, and brother, were responsible for this br- brutal homicide. Those, those suspicions were not based on evidence that had been tested in court. Rather, they were based on evidence reported in the media. They continued... So, kind of moving on a little bit further to progress in the case. In 2010, the case was officially reopened and renewed with the focus on the DNA samples. Further testing has conducted on the samples, and experts now believe that the sample is actually from two individuals rather than just one. In 2016, it was announced that the DNA would be sent to Colorado Bureau of Investigation to be tested using modern methods, and authorities hope to develop even stronger DNA profiles of the killers. So now we're kind of skipping to the most recent update uh, that happened in June. This June is in 2022. Yes, this June is in 2022. So this has just been kind of snowballing from one after another and just kind of just building more and more and more until this 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 June stuff changed. Uh yes and no. Yes more, and no. Yeah, more progress has happened on the case. Like I said before, it's still unsolved, but we're really close. Or at least we're hoping we're really close. Okay. So the June update. John Bonet's relatives are petitioning the police to hand over the DNA samples that the Boulder Police Department collected at the time of the murder and allow a company called Paraben Nano Labs to do DNA testing in the case. 
John Bonet's father, John Ramsey, spoke in an interview with 60 Minutes Australia on Sunday about the search for her daughter's killer. We want to do whatever we can be done technically and resource-wise to find the killer of our daughter, and if we do that and we can't, then we will have to live with it. But to not do it is criminal, negligent, and lazy, Ramsey said. So he wants to do whatever he possibly can for his daughter now that technology is kind of there. According to C.C. Moore of Paraben Nanolabs, the genetic investigator whom Ramsey's brother tweeted about, the method the company uses could likely identify DNA collected from the Ramsey crime scene in only a few hours. So it's like a big puzzle, Moore said. We have to pull it out and put all the little puzzle pieces back together little by little. What I'm doing all day long is building the family trees of these individuals that are sharing DNA with this unknown suspect, she said. The Ramseys have been trying to get the attention for DNA testing and have supported the Change.org petition for justice for John Bonet. The petition has reached nearly 15,000 signatures. John Bonet Ramsey deserves justice for the new advances in DNA technology that finally make this possible. Col- Colorado Governor Jared Polis, you are the only person with enough power and independence in this state to put Ramsey DNA testing decisions in the hands of the new agency that's free from the Boulder's significant history with the case, the petition reads. On June 17th, this update appeared on the petition. Hello, friends of JBR. Just a quick note to let you know that the governor's office responded a couple of weeks ago with a request for an update with the following. We do not have an update at this time. According to KDVR.com, as of December 2021, the Boulder Police Department said they processed more than 15,000 pieces of evidence related to the girl's murder. The Boulder Police Department said it was an actively reviewing genetic DNA testing processes to see if those can be applied to this case moving forward. The BPD said nearly 1,000 DNA samples have been analyzed. So kind of summing up with all that means, um, if you remember from our past cases and everything when they build dna profiles of trees so Mm. they check on websites of like um the family dna uh profiles so like there's multiple uh, of those volunteer websites and if they get a match like they can match um maternal and paternal dna and based Mm. on those families of dna you can get like family members and kind of case it down to a couple of suspects and so like this is how they caught the golden mm-hmm. state killer this is how they caught the killer in our last case that we covered mm-hmm. um is by doing like these kind of family genomes based off the unknown suspect's dna so that's kind of what they're doing but yeah okay um so at least the governor's office did update, and it sounds like they are processing some DNA and getting those trees. So hopefully, you know, within a year or so, we might know who killed John Bonet. I felt like it would be a little faster, right? You would or... think so. Um, but I mean, stuff takes a long time. So like, they could get like the. I know once they got kind of the profile of the Golden State Killer, they narrowed it down to five suspects, had to collect those suspects' trash and DNA to, like, figure out which one of those were and then get them. So it's... Narrow it down more. Okay. Yeah, so, like, they can get, like, I don't know, ten possible suspects and then have to narrow it down one by one by one. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of what they're doing here. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I know that this was kind of like a heavily me reading and not so much back and forth, but there is a lot of information for this. And we just really did a light skim coat covering the kind of basic theories of everything. I highly recommend watching documentaries on it. I know America's Most Wanted did several episodes on this. I know, like, again, there's the Dr. Phil, the CBS documentaries. Um, go, granted, those focus more on the brother doing it. But there is a ton of evidence out there. Make your own theories. I want to hear about them. If you feel like strongly like this person did it, let us know because mm -hmm. I'm just curious. But there's a lot of interest surrounding this case and there's a lot of information on it. So again, just keep an open mind with what you hear and try to be more fact-based evidence and kind of just go from there. So hopefully... Well, 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 hold on. Yeah. Gut feeling. Yeah. Where are you leaning? So until I knew of kind of about the DNA samples, I had seen the CBS documentary series way back mm -hmm. when it first came out in 2016. And I was with everybody else thinking that the brother did it. Mm okay. But having that now be discredited and everything, and them having a couple DNA profiles... Um, I, I think it, I think, you know, it is kind of leaning more towards the stranger. Yeah. But. That's kind of where I was leaning. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it could be a combination of both, too, I guess. Yeah. Um, but. Oh, what if it's like a combination? It was the brother and the stranger trying to stop him, but then the stranger got injured and that's why they had the evidence there, and then the stranger left because he didn't want to be associated with that, and then it's just like, whoa, it's like, what a twist. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I feel like the brother definitely could have maybe hit her on the head since he had done it in the past. Like, that, that's mm -hmm. not out of the possibility, so that's the only thing. But again, everything else I don't think so. But they did pull off unknown DNA off of her undergarments, so that was what they're testing. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, where's your gut leaning? I think it's a stranger, but I do think that the head trauma was caused from the brother, and like that was probably the opportunity that the stranger used to take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, it did say both parents were like out till like nine thirty, ten o'clock. So yeah, they so. they were left alone. Mm hmm. But. Yeah, so, again, a lot of information on this case. I want to hear your theories. Um, I'm sure Jajan does, too. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty pretty open to other ideas, but mine tend to get kind of wild. Yeah. But we'll kind of keep you updated. If there's any more breakthroughs on this case, I'll add, like, a little blurb to the beginning of an episode giving an update and... Hopefully, you guys know as soon as we do, and I'll post to the socials, too. I'm hoping that this one gets broken open soon, kind of like how the Golden State Killer case did. Yeah, it's exciting. We're living in it now. We are. So mm -hmm. much tech, like, technological advances have happened so much. Like, I feel like DNA was kind of an unheard concept in the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. and everything, and now it's gotten so, so far, so... Yeah, I feel like a lot of cold cases open. Yeah, I, I also like wonder if like something else will come out that we have no clue about now that'll make solving murders even more possible in the future. 
brain scans. Something. <laughs> but, yeah. So, you know, like, future's yeah. out there. The technology's there, and um, I'm excited mm-hmm. to see where it kind of leads us. So, um, if you want to sign that petition and keep, uh, you know, keep updated, I'll post the link in our bio, and... Um, so, you know, more people can see and we can see what the governor kind of updates on and how the story progresses from there. Mm-hmm. Until then, you could also buy some stuff from us. Yeah. If you guys want to head to violentvice.com or we got sweatshirts, t-shirts, pens, stickers, and, you know, uh, tank tops as well. So there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. You can check out our website and blog at violinvice.com. We're on Podbean, mm-hmm. uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all the good stuff, Spotify, wherever you, mm-hmm. you know, listen to podcasts, we are there. Amazon well, Music, we do too. Flawless, flawless segues into self-promotion. Oh, clearly. clearly. You know, <laughs> we're not nerdy and awkward at all about anything. No. Yeah. But other sort of segue promotion thing, support us on Patreon. I got weird stuff going on on there. Yeah, for as little as $1 a month, that's like $1, you know, $1. You can mm-hmm. get... For a dollar a day, you can support our channel and listen to weird cryptids <laughs> that I described to you. A dollar a month, not a dollar a day. If we got a dollar a day, you guys will be super generous and we would love you forever. But, I would love a dollar a day. I I am trying to push for it. <laughs> Doing the big sell first, and then then makes the little sell a little bit more appealing. Yeah, foot in the door policy. But yeah, that one. Yeah, but Jonathan has really cool cryptic corners, and um, I might do oddies antiquities starting up here on haunted objects. So Ooh, gonna freak me out with weird stuff. Yeah, I gotta do a little bit of research on that before that gets started up, but maybe that'll be headed in our way. Otherwise, I'll just do a bonus episode here and there on this guy. But mm-hmm. seriously, check out our Patreon. And we might end up doing a folklore fun time or something like that. Because I like to do the cryptids and folklore stuff, but I might have come across some folk tales of the Celtic variety, which I don't, many, don't think many people know. Yeah. So, I mean, it takes a lot to, you know, put on a podcast and Patreon's just our way of getting a little something out of that. But you guys get a lot out of there, too. It's just, you know, we get a buck here and there, which is awesome. So Mm -hmm. we really really appreciate the support. And I think that's kind of it, John. John, um, right? Am I forgetting anything? Promotion, solving cases, helping figure out theories. Maybe searing some crickets in the background because I have a cricket problem in my house at the moment. That's really been annoying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, and everything is violin vice. That's V I L E A N D V I C E. No ampersands here. No ampersands. We're bringing it back. Yep. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Alrighty. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Violin Vice Podcast. Cover art is by Colton Griffith. Music by Ann Valerie Beck. And research done by Corinne Drybelvis. 
You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Violin Vice Podcast or on Twitter at Violin Vice. That's V-I-L-E-A-N-D-V-I-C-E. No ampersands here. If you want to help support the show, please do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Vice, or give us a once-off donation on PayPal with our email, violinvice at gmail.com. Again, that's V-I-L-E-A-N-D-V-I-C-E to keep the spooky stories coming. Thank you.